Fitting teenagers, which is of course a lie. Uh, it's in fact these effing teenagers, or uh, if you prefer to hear me uh, be a little indelicate in the British accent, these fucking teenagers. Uh, oh, and God, this is the most highfalutin podcast ever. I just feel <laughs> so tamed and ready to have discourse, guys. Those those, those p- plummy tones seem ready for the BBC. <laughs> Yeah, or, or or maybe, I guess, no, I can't be on E4 because I'm too posh, which is sad. Uh, yeah, we're back talking about Misfits, and apparently someone put me in charge. Um, am I going to get promoted each episode? Because I'm not sure where I can go. I guess you we're, could give me the keys to, to we're Twitter. We're going to murder you like a probation officer. <laughs> That's what so, yeah, we do what, to what, our authority figures on this uh, on this podcast. <laughs> what, what basically happened was that I, I said some stuff to you and compelled you to uh, obey me. <laughs> you That's can right. podcast. You can podcast so much better. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I feel different already. Podcast for one week only, and we failed on that already. Yeah. It's true. Mm. All right. Uh, so, yeah. so what's the what's the cognitive agenda, our uh, imperialist overlord? Um. Well, I feel like a lot of stuff that happened in the episodes four to six of series one of Misfits. If you haven't seen them, well, well done for listening to this. Anyway, you're clearly too devoted to this show. Um, Nathan, about- Nathan doesn't die, guys. <laughs> and more to the point, Rachel kills Alicia. The super hoodie is Simon. Whoa, shit! Yeah, I think I knew that, actually. I read Wikipedia. Oh, yeah, the super hoodie oh. is Simon. There's got to be some privileges of being the host. <laughs> oh, Rachel, man, you're one of us, dude. The yeah. uh, virtue leader kills Alicia. She kills her dead. Um, boy. Oh, boy. While getting a pack of Newports. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's so, yeah. great. So we have things, a lot to look forward to. Rachel, Rachel kills Alicia. Um, <laughs> super hoodie is Simon. But it's about the process. So how do we get there? Right. Well, I think we have to start. Uh, well, I think a lot of stuff happens in these episodes that's a metaphor for teenage life in general. A lot of stuff about the invulnerability of teens, teens doing stuff without consequences, and um, sure. then something about the two types of teenagers, i.e. the Simons and the Nathans, possibly. Or just the Simons and the, all the other teenagers, right. despite the fact that I think that the Simons are the majorities. Well, I, okay, the question that I had written down earlier, to which the answer is, of course, yes and no. Um, is being a teenager the opportunity to be Curtis? Because you're constantly doing things that seem super important, mm-hmm. but don't really have any consequences. Um, given that Nathan definitely falls down on one side of this argument and Rachel on the other side in the final episode when they make their kind of big speeches. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that yeah, it's interesting. We we talked about this a little week, this a little bit last week. This is a good good kind of connection to where we were, um, and it's a thing that we've talked about a bit throughout uh, this this podcast about you know whether um, podcasts or whether podcasts whether teenagehood has consequences, and and it kind of actually makes me think of 
in some ways it makes me think of um, The Unbearable Lightness uh, of Being, right, by Milan Kundera, which kind of starts uh, off with um, a long discussion of Nietzsche's uh, theory of eternal return um, and, these, and, the, and the problem of eternal return and this question of, you know, if, you know, if you could think of, like, what is kind of heavier? Is, is it heavier to have life exist and like heavy by I mean like me- more meaningful or or weightier is it more meaningful to have life exist only once so everything that you do um you only get one shot so you you live it to its fullest and you you have no regrets uh or is it more kind of serious to in fact have an infinite number of lives um and 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 have a, have a possibility that this is one of many timelines um and and you know a lot of the book is is kind of um both through the narrative and through the philosophical sides is playing out this question of what is is heavy and what is light and and i think that you know in some ways the i think this is important for the curtis episode both in how it works narratively and for the kind of um, at a, at the level of of meaning is is this ability to kind of turn back time and kind of run through the you know basically play the 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 you know what metaphysical game of mousetrap several different times and like you know tweak the guy in the bathtub uh, or the or the ball or the net or or whatever uh, the crank um, you know the, the, to, to tweak these different things does that make it kind of heavier or or, or lighter and, and, and his ability to kind of move through timelines. Mm-hmm. Well, to refer to a completely different episode, it does seem that his power traps him in that he can only do things that he doesn't regret, which I guess falls on the kind of Nietzsche pro-eternal recurrence side of the argument mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. he either has to only do things that he doesn't regret or, I guess, cheat the system, which is what he's trying to do in the fifth episode, having turned back time and saved Sam from a sort of doomed life. Um, He has to find a way of doing what he wants to do and not regretting it. Um, And he can't seem to change his own... He can't will it just that he will break up with Sam, despite the fact that's what he really wants. He has to find a way of doing it where it doesn't move him emotionally. So he's kind of trapped by the time-turning thing. Right. So he is who he is, and, and he can kind of – there's like a certain band of, um, of, of what is, is acceptable, um, and, and, and he's kind of the constant, right? Which, again, I mean I don't know how much we want to get into this, but what it keeps, keeps making me think of, of this kind of talk of variables and constants also makes me think of a very similar – kind of time traveler or time manipulator is uh, Desmond in Lost um, who also, you know, there's lots of talk there about constants and variables, right? And this kind of, it's a form of time travel that's, you know, basically both moving consciously through different timelines and different periods um, but then has an ability to kind of um, bend and connect the these various timelines um, but something has to stay constant and so in the case of Curtis it's him you know he he is who he is and his um, you know experience of the world is is the same right in these different times when he wakes up he you know knows who he is and and so he can sort he sort of checks uh very um you know tellingly is it the track suit or the uh the orange um aspo uh-huh. <laughs> um suit that is there and it tells us which which world we're in it feels very natural how the time travel works he goes back and he changes something and all of the expected 
consequences happen. He never goes back and changes something and, whoa, suddenly he's in some crazy future. But nor do his actions have no consequences. Right, from, from, stepping so on a, like from, from stepping on a dinosaur butterfly. I mean, I, yeah. to, to me, narratively about that episode, the thing, the thing that was... I won't say it's strained credulity because I actually, I mean, I appreciate a, um, I appreciate a well-made plot, you know what I mean? But the, the, uh, you know, that is to say, I don't, I don't consider that a defect. Uh, I don't consider sort of charming coincidence to be a defect in this kind of, in this kind of narrative, but the five it's, it's having the five, uh, characters kind of all come together without knowing it, you know, three yeah. months before at this one, this I, one night at the, this one faithful night at this one club where it turns out they all kind of, you know, uh, uh, Nathan, um, does the, does the bit of vandalism or just basically dickishness that gets him done. The arrest for, uh, the arrest for, um, cocaine happens. The incident that, uh, teased Simon off to, you know, attempt arson. Uh, happens um, not Kelly and 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 not Alicia, but uh, but like, you know, this is like this is that this is that sort of one fateful night. And we talked about that like one well, fateful moment. We talked about the kind of one fateful moment school of causality, and this right. is the this is the. Um, uh, yesterday's Enterprise School of Star Trek time travel. This is not the later kind of. There's a uh, quantum theory, many worlds hypothesis. Uh, Star Trek time travel, Star Trek: The Next Generation time travel episode, and it's not like it's not like by. Um, it's not like by changing the past, Curtis just happens to divert onto a different timeline. It's like he changes the time. There is. A, a timeline, uh, you know, and he he changes it, but only because he can experience it. He is kind of the observer. Like if we're talking quantum e, I think when you start time traveling, you're in I, you're in science fiction. You know, you know what I mean. I mean, the, this show is interesting generically, uh, right? <laughs> like the the it's sometimes a, a fucking teenager show. It's sometimes a horror uh tv mm-hmm. show i mean kind of light sort of horror light um i it, it's television after all and uh, in in these moments it's sort of science fiction so i think we have to uh, you don't have to but i think that you can sort of begin to sort of tease out which of which type of science fiction you know what i mean are are you in and which which sort of which type um which type of horror yeah. Well, actually, as I've been watching it more, as more and more things seem to be so clearly due to the storm, um, it does seem to be moving on from the whole skins with superpowers thing, kind of Smallville with hoodies. Huh. <laughs> um, although I think Green Arrow has a hoodie. I forget. I didn't really watch it after the early seasons. The point being that everything weird comes down to this one event. So we kind of think one fateful night really it's the storm because the storm causes all of the weird stuff to happen. And that still seems to be the case going on through the series. Right. Oh no, it's another person with powers this week. One new person with powers. How, um, as far as plot holes go, like if, if everyone, if these weird things are, are happening to everyone, at what point does it become impossible to sort of keep the secret under wraps? I mean, maybe we all have, I could have superpowers right now and I'm just so ashamed. I'm such a misfit that I'm keeping them a secret from you and, and ditto you from me. Right. Yeah. I wonder about that. A lot of the people don't seem to be entirely aware of them. 
or if they do, they don't really have any reason to talk about them. Yeah, but if I'm getting, but the weirdness if I'm, if I'm, show up. If I'm uh, you know, giving people alopecia, or if I'm, uh, you know, if I have a baby that is suddenly like causing, you know, causing men to sort of follow me, right? Like, and and kind of creepily steal my baby. Uh, uh, there, th- 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 it seems like we've come across enough. Enough, guys. Of them. I'm actually 90 years old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that. That, that makes uh, you know, last I just night wanted, I just wanted to be young. I just wanted to be young and beautiful again. Just don't bone. Yeah, <laughs> you'll stay young and beautiful. Uh, I show my grandpa face. <laughs> <laughs> your grandpa, your grandpa O face. Well, okay. So what? Do, I mean, what do you make of his calculation? I mean, Curtis's calculation that like. Uh, the the answer to this episode seems to be that like there is a best of all possible worlds right and that it's not it may not be exactly uh what you did the first time but it's closer it's closer to what you did the first time than what you did the uh that then you know avoid avoiding arrest you know you want to you want to avoid arrest for your girlfriend uh, altruistically but still get arrested yourself so that you can you know save the world from evil werewolf tony I mean, it's, it strikes me that the calculus that he's using um, and the, the kind of moral calculus to evaluate the possible worlds is entirely – I mean, it's very much a utilitarian world, right? Um, um, and that he kind of weighs the consequences of in each one and, and kind of assigns, you know, point values or utilities to each outcome um, and, you know – uh, the, the, uh, in, 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 in kind of moral philosophy, how do you weight, you know, the loss of a human life is a, is a um, big and contested question, and whether it even can be done is, um, is a huge question. Um, but, like, you know, obviously the outcomes in which, um, you know, someone dies are inferior, right? And so that, in some ways, this is a, the, the, um, the, the, the timeline in which he stays in prison, um, um, but uh, and gets gets possession, but but Sam doesn't go to jail. At least in his calculation, um, does a kind of uh, it, it, it's Pareto optimal, right? It doesn't make anybody else um, you know better off without making anybody else worse off. I, well, um, I, and let's but let's let's piece that out because like the the idea or like let's dig into that a little more, right? Like because the idea is that he goes to the Olympics, uh, he go, or he's on track mm, for the 2012 mm. Olympics, right? Like if he uh, if he does doesn't get arrested and that seems like even given the loss of four lives that seems you know he's set up as being such a great athlete that like his chances to medal at the london 2012 olympics would bring such joy and honor uh to the great nation of england right that uh that you know all the english would benefit and there there could be you know greater utility uh uh, then in that, then then the loss and and you know I'm I'm gonna get uh, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here, so don't you know I'm I'm not Peter Singer here, but like the uh, there could be greater utility in that than the loss of you know an an asshole, a slut, a chav, and a real creeper. Right. Right. So, so what you're saying is like it's it's basically the like 100 meter trolley problem. Like, um, it, it's like Usain Bolt is running down the track and he's going to break the world record. Um, and you're standing there and you can either and, and but to, to get across the finish line, he needs to to plow over five delinquents and kill them with his his track spikes. And you can you can divert the track, but then he Usain Bolt goes off into the long jump pit um, and 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 does not 
not win the uh, the hundred meter dash, right? And so, uh-huh. this, so this is the great uh, question in, in, in moral philosophy. <laughs> I, right. I, I mean, I imagine Usain Bolt could still find a way to win, even if he was redirected into the long jump pit. Yeah, right. he, would, he also actually can manipulate timelines, right? Actually, so Usain Bolt is is Curtis, right? So that he would like go back through a wormhole and actually break the world record. He'd, he'd complete it in four seconds, just appear on the other side um, before he even uh, got diverted. Um, but I think, I mean, the point—I um, don't know if there was a point, uh, to the joke, uh, but but uh, the other thing that I was thinking before I went for the joke rather than the point um, was—is I think what's interesting here. And something that, that 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 your that your comment uh, raises, Matt, is is in this kind of utilitarian calculus, who is your what is the reference group over which you are maximizing utility, right? right. That um, and and is it? Um, and I think that um, and and as a result, you can get to these different um, you know. Even if the kind of decision rule of maximizing utility, if you can kind of clearly define utility and think of a way to measure it, um, the question of whose utility um, leads you to different types of, of decisions being being optimal or being the, the right thing to do, um, and 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 I th- you know my sense is that in general um, the the reference group is kind of a, a you know in a, in a generally kind of humanistic uh, utilitarianism. It's everybody. It's all of it's all of mankind, um, and. And again, I mean, I guess the the question is, how do you weight the loss of of, of human lives um, uh, on the on the grand scale? Um, you know, is it is it negative infinity? Uh, you know, and, and and if if you feel it that way or that it's not even classifiable, you start to move into a more kind of deontological um, Kantian uh, ethics. But um, I, I think that. Right, so that you know, is it is it that you maximize the welfare of all all of humanity, um, or is it or is it a more of like a nationalist kind of public po- rational public policy approach? Um, so we maximize the good of the nation, and you have a benevolent social planner who does this, or is it a kind of egoistic um, um, uh, uh, utilitarianism? And I mean, it seems like Curtis is kind of somewhere between i mean he's kind of the the humanistic utilitarian here right that he's he's doing his um his his great power great responsibility or uh and what the uh what's the other line that he pawns off that actually allows him to break up with sam uh you, you always hurt the the ones that you love <laughs> you the, ones the ones who, you love yeah or the yeah. ones who pay the price yeah 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 exactly exactly so he's definitely like shouldering a pretty large burden which i think you know it makes sense i mean you know, in a way that, um, in some ways, it makes sense to like the the with the psyche of a public athlete, right? That there is this, even though they are not elected, right? Athletes often play a representative function, and uh-huh. and, um, and I think that especially in the scale of you know, even though in the Olympics, at least in the modern um, Olympics, it's been constra- construed in these nationalist ways. I mean, I think at least part of the idea of it is is a great celebration of, of hum- humanity, right? And especially, I think, in things like track and field, where it's really about, um, you know, what can 
what can humans accomplish? I mean, especially like the hundred meter dash. Um, it is there are only so many parameters there, um, and so like the the continued kind of shaving away at the world record gets more and more um, impressive the the lower um, it gets because it starts to strain you know the the the, the sort of biophysical um, uh, limits. Whereas other kinds of sports is much more about thinking about technique and, and strategy and 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 other things. Um, and so I think that I mean part of where we're we're seeing Curtis here is um, in in kind of taking on responsibility for a kind of you know broad swath of of humanity rather than thinking of of the nation or the team or or himself right uh-huh. um, and I think that that's that's interesting and relatively unteenagery actually on the one hand right this kind of you know it's it's interesting because there's like it's getting back to Tim's initial point and, and question. It's a there's a time where of of experimentation, right? He's getting to experiment, um, but these you know in part because of 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 who he is, there are um, there are there is kind of a public responsibility, um, in, in, a, his, in a large I mean, sense. And the the word that's used over and over in the show is his profile, which his profile. I mean, right? Yeah, which is a loaded word. That you know, that's sort of a loaded word uh, in in American culture because of like things like racial profiling. I don't mm. know if it has quite the same connotation in, in the kind of, same kind of poetic connotation in Britain that it does in the states. I'm not sure, but clearly his position as a again back to well, it is his class position, his ethnic position, and the fact that he's then going to go on and achieve something via this means of the Olympics, which again is being set up in a very poor area of London. Right. Um, is yeah, actually they're probably, this... they're, they've what bulldozed all the sets for, uh, of misfits, right. To, uh, uh, to make way for the Olympic stadium and whatnot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> basically the analogous areas. Right. So this idea of aspiration and him being a role model, although it is interesting that the drug he's busted for is cocaine, um, powder cocaine, presumably, I yeah, I mean, we see we see it uh, right. They're little rocks. They're uh, oh yeah, no, they're rocks. I, it may not be powder cocaine. Oh no, I guess I'm not right because it's quite like he's with the appearance of drugs from sight. Yeah, it's 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 some kind of small. Yeah, it, it, it looks kind of like crack. Um, no, it's powder. It's definitely powder. Actually, it was remember, white looking. Uh, yeah, exactly. When he pours it out into the toilet, it's like a, a powdery little dusting. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was a little discreet. Uh, you know, I I was kind of retching at that moment and may not have. Uh, I may not have really examined the contents of the toilet. What is it with? Uh, what is it with flushing drugs and toilets? I mean, like tra- this is the you know kind of mini train spotting scene, right? Of like the the toilet odyssey in in train spotting. Yeah, I guess because I mean, you flush drugs, uh, they're associated with toilets. Didn't the Rolling Stones do that in real life at one point? Not very successfully, because I think the rest of the house was full of drugs, um, which is a slight oversight. (laughs) We have to flush the entire house down the toilet, just kind of pack it in on itself. (laughs) I mean, I guess the other thing that they then raise, um, again, I think that there's an interesting uh, kind of segueing from 
um, Curtis's episode to the next episode is that there is like the the interesting consequence here is that um, one of the side effects or one of the effects of of the timeline that he settles on is that um, Sam never went to jail and they are together, right? Right, and so it's it's that both things are true, like um, him being with Sam is true, and him getting with Alicia and doing the little the little um, wank off is uh, is true, um, and and so it's an interesting question of um i mean there he he really you know wants to almost revert to being a kantian right he's like well no i didn't i didn't know i wasn't acting as a as a cheater um when i when i acted right um and so i did nothing wrong um and so he's interestingly and and actually maybe this is the way in which he's a teenager is is um shifting the the moral compass as as it works as as it as it serves um a given purpose uh uh, and kind of justifying actions. But and it's so- also the show has established a framework where where he's not acting in bad faith when he does that. You know what I mean? That he he actually sure. right. He really didn't. You know, sort of intend. He really didn't intend badly, right? And so the the um, or he didn't act badly as far as as far as he knew. And the something that I'll give the show credit for is that like unlike a lot of well, te- let's let's just pause that for one second. Okay. I mean, he does have a. I mean, it's not like his girlfriend is. It's not like Sam's dead in the timeline where he hooks up with Alicia. She's um, she's in jail and uh, and took took the rap for him. Um, and um, and he's still kind of getting his. Like I mean, and I, I don't... he didn't go to see her at all. So he yeah. just kind of abandoned her after she saved. Well, not his future, but at least him from going to jail. Yeah. He okay. Um, so he. I mean, is he? Was he worse? in that timeline than than he was when you kind of imagine the timeline in which he he starts uh, mutually masturbating with with Alicia. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I forgot the old maxim. It's not cheating if one of the people is in jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, is that? I mean, is that is that worse than uh, is that worse than um, is that worse than the old timeline uh, where he he stepped out on his lady who was in jail? Is it worse just to out and out? cheat cheat on her with alicia i mean because we're talking we're talking utilitarianism right we're talking about degrees of of badness right we're talking we're talking about sort of a number of utiles so like you know presumably cheating on your girlfriend is you know minus a certain number of utiles and uh and cheating on your girlfriend in jail is minus a, a different number of, of utiles, right? right? And like, but then wh- she's also in jail, so that's minus another number of utiles. Sure. So it's, it's like it's probably a wash. Um, I, I'd say. Um, the, I, I would. Say, the, yeah. the show. I mean, right? The show gives him agency among uh, over uh, with respect to certain things, but not not with respect to other things. That is to say, you can like change the moment, but then the consequences that follow are not uh, are not really within your power within your power to change. And the, I, I want to make the point that I was to make, uh, before, because it's act, it actually doesn't, it doesn't sort of, um, intersect with, with, uh, what you're raising that much when he, um, when he brings it up to Alicia and says, I changed, you know, I, I changed time. I altered the thing. Uh, I altered the past so that, 
Uh, now, apparently, I'm dating her, and then I broke up with her so that I, once I realized the situation I was in, I, like, I moved to rectify it so that, the, you know, things are in line with what I would wish them to be. Um, the, the, a lot of teenage shows uh, r- require the characters to interpret what one another do in the least generous possible light and like uh-huh, not uh-huh. you know stomp off without waiting for an explanation right and it's the uh, the, it's the, uh, the gossip girl way of the yeah universe, exactly right? That's, that, yeah right that's the gossip girlification of you know uh, human relations right well i guess you're going to get to see what happens because the u.s remake of misfits is going to be a collaboration between howard overman british creator and uh the person who does gossip girl schwartz. josh schwartz josh schwartz yeah so um, yeah, we'll you'll see- get to see that scene, <laughs> right? Um, well, so uh, yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they gossip girl it because uh, when I think one of the things that I, I give Misfits credit for is that when Alicia hears, like she doesn't like it, but the show has established the framework where she could let him off the hook a, a, a little bit, you know, morally, where she where she doesn't have to. Even if she doesn't like it, it's not like she has to break up with him over, you know, over it. She, there is, you know, the, the possibility of sort of being sympathetic to, uh, you know, to the kind of difficult situation that his, his power puts him in. And they go that route instead of going the route of, uh, of how could you do this to me? And she, you know, and, and she stomps off and there's, you know, and yeah, to be fair, her. their relationship did start when she raped him. And then he didn't stomp off, as it were. So I think the two of them have got a bit confused about each other and the consequences of each other's actions. We've both done things that we need to be sorry for. And, uh, (laughs) you know... Yeah, the, the the sort of casual attitude, the casual attitude towards rape is something that's that's uh, especially like drunk rape, right? Like is is something that this show, I, I think the ethics of this show could could be justifiably faulted oh, for. Yeah, sorry, right? I've just remembered the bit where Simon thinks about yes. sexually assaulting Kelly. Yes, I kind of forgotten that bit because I think I like Simon, and I've clearly just gone and excluded that from my kind of. Or like, how do you know Nathan's Nathan's joke? Though you get the sense that he's not really joking when Kelly asks him, "Well, how how do you get any girls to sleep with you?" And he says, "I get them drunk first. You know, like that's that's uh, yeah, yeah. I, I actually, which is I a mean, disturbing reality of teenage sexuality. I imagine, sure, more than anything else." Yeah, sure. I don't know. I was like the virtue kids. I, I really didn't drink till college, so I, you know. You had a you had a stunning cardigan. <laughs> I actually I can see you. I can see you cleaning up really, really well. <laughs> I, I owned more than one cardigan. Uh, I still oh, own. I, I currently own more than one cardigan. <laughs> I've worn more than one cardigan this week. <laughs> Wait, does that make me the no- person with the least number of cardigans? I mean, I have one. It was a gift. No, it was an ironic cardigan. Whoa. (laughs) What are you even doing on this podcast? Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The. Though, uh, <laughs> though my cardigans now are those like plunging V-neck American Apparel cardigans, where before they were, you know, button-up scratchy wool, uh, scratchy wool cardigans, but worn ironically. I'll have you know, you know, uh, when I was a teenager, that's just how I, that's just how I, I rolled. But with you, Simon, you were I mean, wearing cardigans ironically before anyone else did it, and it was popular. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> the uh, I, I listen. I wear cardigans that haven't even been invented yet. Uh, <laughs> the um, the the thing in Simon, maybe we can kind of pivot. My other cardigan is a turtleneck. 
the, since we're kind of pivoting to Simon, like an, another thing that I that I like about uh, about this show is that they don't they don't they're not at pains to make him likable, right? Like, uh, which you can imagine a, an American television show would do. It's, it's very important that you, you are able to kind of sympathize or relate to, you know, all the characters at every moment. And like, though, though you can imagine it's very hard to, you know, be a social outcast and, and, uh, be picked on, be bullied and picked on by everybody. It's still like the, yeah, the, the weird sexual assault fantasy is creepy and the, like the, the videotaping everything sort of American beauty style, right? They don't American beauty that and sort of, it turns out he's a beautiful person, uh, deep down inside. He's actually a creepy person deep down inside. Like the filming is, uh, the filming is creepy, you know? Yeah, I mean, what do we make of that? I mean, I, I, even before we get to the film, you know, we can talk about them in, in, in together. I mean, what do we make? Why Why is it, you know, what What do we gain? Like, I, I'm, I'm trying to think about how to even articulate the question. Um, what do we learn from seeing the um, the, the, the possible but averted um, sexual uh, assault on, on Kelly? And kind of what why, – why include that, right? Why is that an important part of the characterization, um, especially because this, this kind of comes before his episode, right? The show um, does this kind of interesting thing, I think, where – um, because it has the style of focusing on one uh, person per per episode, um, you know that they, they kind of, but they, they they usually foreshadow that a little bit, right? So this is kind of a a moment, um, a slight spotlight moment that has like the 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 kind of I, I would think indicates some of the themes that are to come in the um in in the next episode in his feature episode. But what what is that? Given that this is the thing that's chosen, why why is this important? What is this? you know, doing and, and, and why kind of bring that in? What, what is it, what is it adding? I mean, it doesn't, I mean, he, you know, he, uh, he gets pretty far under the waistband. It might not even be a sort of an, an aborted sexual assault. It might be just an, an, an actual, you don't uh, know whether it's, 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 uh, <laughs> U, UWOP <laughs> under the waistband over the panties. Yeah. Or, you know, well, yeah. sorry, I don't. I don't even want to go down this. I don't even want to go down this road because nothing. Down this good. waistband. Well, yeah. that that was his. Anyway, yeah, let's. But, like, but I mean, is it is it important? Is the fact that he that he is the fact that he stops important? That is to say, how much how much are we willing? I think maybe the question is, how much are we willing to let him off the hook for being for being a teenager and not doing it after all? Being sort of being sort of tempted, and you can kind of imagine. You can sort of imagine the the. Uh, you can sort of imagine that the that the thought would cross his mind, given you know what I mean, given what we know of uh, of his history. Um, well, he's he's so out of sorts at the time. He's yeah. just been rejected by this person who has been you know his nemesis, right? And he's just about to go home and burn his house down. So it's sort of well, it's, it's basically. I mean, it's also it's an interesting kind of foreshadowing. <laughs> which that, is right? better? Which is better utilitarian wise? The the sexual assault or the arson? You know, like because you can kill someone with art. Well, anyway, I think it's. In, but I mean, actually, though, the, I, I was going to bring up the utilitarianism again because in both cases, um, it's this is an interesting thing because from a utilitarian perspective, um, like 
both are not that bad from a from a utilitarian perspective in part because it's the like i don't do it like oh like yeah it's it's like um you know with the arson yeah he got a little bit of uh uh pee in their uh in their mailbox uh, and there's a burnt letter and the cat had to see him peeing right uh, um but but that's that's kind of it and and there is like some 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 contact uh, with Kelly that she was not aware of, and that's like I mean this and these this starts to push on some of the problems of utilitarianism because or, or shows that why at least and a lot of us as kind of ethical um, beings are not strict utilitarians because something still seems wrong about those those acts. Well, yeah, even though from a strictly consequentialist perspective, you yeah. know. In the end, nothing nothing really bad happens from the you know from the point of view of a sort of rule based uh, yeah. uh, you know or a sort of duty based ethics right like mm-hmm. it, yeah. it is wrong to reach under her waistband full stop you know like it's it's yeah. not only wrong if she knows about it right like right, it's, exactly because, it's just because wrong. she is a person she is a person right um, yeah. and and so she as a person she has certain rights um and and these are not even even like civil rights but there are kind of you know the the no they're pre yeah they're pre civil rights yeah. yeah they're pre civil right they're they're like human rights that come from being sentient and you know this kind of fits in with a a Kantian ethics right um or at least um kind of yeah you know, also it, i mean also a religious also, also a sort of religious ethics right like where in a lot of theological systems like yeah. mankind being made in the image of god has an inherent dignity and when you offend against that you offend against the divine etc 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 so it's you know i mean i guess you could almost fit it in i don't know in the long run, going around uh, abusing people who are unconscious is going to lead to bad consequences. So it's at least as far as kind of rule utilitarianism, I guess, and anything mm-hmm. kind of... I was going to say West, because apparently that's where deontology lives, of uh, rule utilitarianism <laughs> forbids what he does. Um, because yeah, I mean, the consequences I... are bad for him and they're bad for society and... Let's like really play who... out that thought experiment. If you always, I mean, is it a is it going to be <laughs> if you bad... always if you always sexually assault a, a, an unconscious girl in the stairwell? No, if you always like, I mean, if if you always stop short, right? It's it's uh, like I mean, this is the interesting. If you if you do like bad things like almost bad things right it's just like kind of i guess i'm trying to say is there is some kind of asymptotic like morality where you kind of just try to get closer and closer to the moral line um and 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 get close to this right so it's it's like trying to be a a a kantian who's like like veering close to the 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 consequentialist line, so you get close to to where bad things are happening, um, and there's in part like a transgressive thrill there um, uh, because you're about to do something bad, but then you get to it's 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 like the moral like um, having your cake and eating it too, uh-huh. um, and I and I think that, you know Timmy, you were saying that this would like lead would lead to bad consequences, but is that just because of like just on like probability like eventually you'll cross the line um or that this like aggregates up to bad con- you know, i'm trying to see like in a pure kind of utilitarian um logic does it cross the 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 line is is it that it, you 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 in a rule utilitarian framework it's a problem because like there are a likelihood of like stochastic like shocks that like put that, that basically 
tip the seismograph over the line and then the bad thing happens the thing well, that leads to bad I mean, consequences happens tim maybe you can speak to this being a you know being a psychologist but i think in this sort of discourse the psychological discourse around like sociopathy you know uh, the idea is that this this kind of behavior must escalate right like the at a, at a certain point that that transgressive thrill ceases to ceases to satisfy you know and you you have yeah. to sort of move on to to sort of uh, 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 more, you know, more and more transgressive acts in order yeah, which to... Which is a kind of neurochemical approach, which definitely applies in the context of sexual... Well, I was going to say not even crimes. There's some suggestion that it would just happen within certain bounds of sexual activity um, because you run any neurochemical system round and round frequently enough, um, it usually gets... Um, miswired i guess because dopamine is stupid um <laughs> basically because and, and that's that's well no i mean i have the unfortunate thing as i studied under someone who was kind of obsessed with addiction so i uh come to the conclusion that everything is addiction um whether sure. it's kind yeah, of that, eating that, disorders or anything but that that mesolimbic dopamine reuptake pathway is just uh is just going to cause you problems right yeah you know, once you start down that road, it's really hard to come out of because you start to suffer kind of anxiety and withdrawal and all the rest of it. Sure. Uh, don't do cocaine. Like, cocaine is a terrifying, terrifying drug that I didn't really know until studying the neurobiology of it. Anyway, um, thinking of Simon... What are you, and, the virtue, uh, what are you, the virtue cult? <laughs> you can be so much better. We can, Science we can, says so. We can fuck up all we want and it doesn't matter. We're teenagers. That's what we do. Yeah. From a brain chemistry point of view, that is a nonsense statement. Right. Better um, time to mess up is definitely your 30s. Sure. Once, the, once your brain is – once those uh, neuron, neurological pathways are more or less established – which I think is actually something Rachel says, isn't it? She's like, don't you know that cannabis causes uh, delusions and schizophrenia or something? Yeah. She does say something like that. But, you know, the scientists say that too. And <laughs> no, I was going to say, thinking of kind of sexual addiction and Simon, um, his internet relationship that carries on and goes wrong and ends with a kind of smushed head, uh, to use an overly cute term for caving someone's skull in. Right. From, from um, a horrific murder, <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, we're we're really we're really kind of like we're inclined to be sympathetic towards Simon, and I mean, I wonder, I wonder what that, I wonder if the show is doing that to us. I guess uh, is is what I wonder. So, it's all so from the teenage misfit perspective, uh huh. And I wonder that it would be interesting to watch the. I was going to say adult version, that's not quite right, or objective version. But I think you could imagine a version where the virtue kids look pretty non-scary, and it's those kids in the orange jumpsuits and the hoodies who are terrifying. Sure. And in the same way, where what Simon does is the real mark of a kid who is genuinely dangerous, um, which obviously is true. They're all kind of dangerous. Right. Um, and in one of the timelines, I see Nathan, remember- he just ate some pick and mix. <laughs> yeah i suppose nathan is is the just the lovable but annoying one um him and kelly are quite well adjusted really which sure. is surprising perhaps or maybe it's not surprising maybe our expectations are subverted for the right reasons but yeah i think you know i was kind of annoyed that this online relationship was a matter of predation when uh-huh. it turned out to be what's her face the probation worker because sure. you know they've killed so many of them now no point in remembering their names uh-huh. uh, i think it might be sally 
Yes, but Sally, yeah. I need Simon here to remind me of these things. Um, that how, do you know, how do you know he's not standing behind you right now? Sorry, I just went invisible, guys. <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, uh, right. Like, that's to a certain extent, like, we talked about, we sort of talked about the unbridled state and the sort of will to what the kind of will to control or destroy the, the undesirable elements that Tony represented. And she is, and, and lady probation officer, like, represents a different facet of that, right? Because she's, she's not just this sort of unbridled uh, will to power. She is, uh, she's more subtle. She's actually kind of preying on him using what she knows, what we can only, you know, what we must assume is sort of privileged uh, information about his uh, psychological makeup in order to, uh, you know, as an intelligence gathering tool, right? Like, uh, and so. So the the kind of creepy things that that he does in the context of his his relationship with her, um, I actually you know he wouldn't do were he not. Uh, I guess I'm making the same diminished capacity argument that that someone else maybe Tim made about the uh, uh, about finding Kelly in the stairwell, right? Like he you know he he's at a low he's sort of at a low point, uh, right? Um, when he's been he's been sort of primed uh you know to um uh to ask her out because she she tells him to in the in the guise of you know the online chat and uh and then she sort of what she sort of encourages she encourages him well it's quite confusing it seems like she's got this two personas and i don't know um, we should probably ask if any of our listeners have spent time online in an alternative persona to their own um, and what that does to you. Yeah, but, the, but shy, the shy girl thing is something she just invented for this purpose, right? It's not, it's not like she was chatting with a lot of people as shy girl and then uh, and, and just happened to come across Simon no. and just happened to, you know, like this, her it's whole true, online thing. It's played in a slightly ambiguous way. Like, I found it to be, um, at least when I was first watching it, yeah. I was, it was a little unclear because it seemed that, you know, when she was doing it, she was kind of committed to it, right? It was this, it was, it, it was, there was an interesting kind of, um, ambivalence there in that on the one hand, it seemed like something she was doing and there was, there were these moments of honesty in that. Um, and yet it also seemed to be deliberately manipulative, but it it was, it was unclear, right? There was never, and and this is like the interesting thing about, you know, the, the show again, and for whatever reason, I'm comparing it to Gossip Girl because we had done that comparison earlier, but in Gossip Girl, you know, there would be a point where you would have the conversation. You wouldn't actually see the wordless playing out of the conversation back and forth. Um, or you wouldn't see that without, um, then Sally having a conversation with her gal pal, um, you know, almost a Sorkin-esque walk and talk, um, about, yeah, I'm totally, um, I, I totally have like, uh, a two front war going to like, to get, uh, to get the truth out of him. I'm like talking to him in real life and I'm doing this. Um, and it's going to be awesome. Sure. Um, and you yeah. know, um, and I don't mean to to to, to disparage uh, the great the great Gossip Girl, but right that it's it's much more of a talking about the, the intention is is much more clear, or at least there's stated intention. Obviously, in Gossip Girl, there's lots of hidden information and mixed motives, um, but that uh, because she doesn't have a pal 
that she is is chatting about this with, there's this uh, a little more ambiguity about um, why she's do about motivation and 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 uh, about her sort of affect um, in this in this case and, and how she's kind of feeling and experiencing this and and she seems to be conflicted. On the one hand, it is it is and and, and I think that that kind of complexity and the combination of um, emotions is, makes it kind of interesting and compelling, even as it is like sort of horrifying. Yeah. It's very tragic because, yeah. I mean, I, the reason I thought of the kind of difference between the two of them is Scheigel says, ask her out. And the first thing that Sally says when asked out is, no, that wouldn't be appropriate. Right. Which clearly, like, it's either being super subtle or it is this kind of conflict between the two ideas. But also she doesn't have anyone to talk to. Simon well, responds yeah. to her because he is so deeply lonely, despite the four other misfits being the best friends he ever had, as he says to Sally later when he's you know, finished her off almost. Um, but then she hasn't got anyone to talk to. She has got, okay, the cop who doesn't really believe her, but clearly who she's got some kind of connection with being probation worker, local cop, because there's the only one probation worker. They're going to kill the cop too, right? They, they, they have to kill the cop. I, I, I haven't looked into that, but I think it it's a safe the, assumption. The, the, the Misfits authority figure is like the Chekhov's gun of the series. It's like <laughs> if you introduce an adult in Act 1, they're going to be dead by Act 3. Right. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and, well, yeah, apart from perhaps the new uh, probation worker in the second season, because he just doesn't care. He's too apathetic to be mm-hmm. a danger to them. Anyone who cares about kind of the structure of society is going to die. You know, Rachel gets pushed off a roof and Sally gets slammed into a door and Tony got just kind of kicked to death and so on. Although Tony had lost it. But yeah, um, that... Um, and it's, I mean, the, I, I loved Rachel's death because like everyone, uh, you know, gets their panties in a bunch over Nathan having fallen and you don't even see her until, you know, the very long shot at the end, right? When they're, when the camera's pulling away and, uh, uh, you know, all of a sudden you realize that there's a second body like lying at, you know, at the base of the fence, right? Yeah. But that's another tragedy. The only reason that Rachel does what she does is because of isolation. She was isolated because her views didn't accord with that of her peers, which, to be fair, is sort of Simon's issue as well. And I would have liked to have seen a dynamic between Simon and Rachel, really, if there was more time to explore it. Yeah. Because Simon, you know, his whole breakdown comes when he is, you know, invited to a club by a bully who is clearly comfortable there and he's not and he doesn't know what to do there and he doesn't fit in there. And that's why it leads to the almost sexualist assault because he's never had these, I hesitate to say opportunities and I also hesitate to say, I hesitate to say because that's a stupid catchphrase. But that, um, again, Rachel, she has been rejected by her peers. She has been isolated. And when she has the power to turn that around, Mm -hmm. she does it in an unfortunate way by trying to shape people in her own image. But she doesn't have an idea how to control her power. She just wants someone who's a bit like her. She wants someone to relate to. And that's why Simon ends up, you know, relating to and thus killing Sally. That's the tragedy. The tragedy seems to be isolation, which is perhaps the biggest tragedy of any teenager. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. I mean, I think the. I mean, I guess we're we're segueing a little bit. I, I had a lot of reactions on the Rachel um, stuff on the on the on on Lady Sybil's fascist army. Um, <laughs> women's and, auxiliary. The, the women's auxiliary. Yeah, <laughs> I know she's going to make everyone wear pants and ride bicycles. <laughs> uh, um, uh, run run away, run away with the uh, the motorist um, or the the chauffeur, the chauffeur rather. Um, no, uh, I think that I think it's interesting because um, at some point we've been saying that like um 
you know, Rachel, as some, one of you mentioned that Rachel was kind of doing something that was sort of pro-social. But it's, it's, it's weird because it's, it's anti-social in its, in its own way, right? Um, in that it's, it's, um, it's definitely, you know, in that it is against, right? It, it, it shows like, oh, it, it's in some ways, like what is, <laughs> what is the society, right? Like, you know, to, to kind of really understand anti-social behavior, you have to say, what is the society that, that, you're, that you're in? And I think that you know, there's uh, part of the view of, um, you, know, uh, you know, at least is, is that um, in, in, in the vision of, of contemporary UK society, um, British society that uh, is, is being portrayed here, it is a pluralist society, right? So that on the one hand, there is a social order, there are a set of social norms, there are laws um, governing people, but part of this is in the context of a, of, of a liberal democracy, and so you have individual rights, um, and, and so you, you, you know, and being antisocial um, violates the norms of, of you know, civic behavior and, and violates, you know, civic rights and obligations. Um, and, you know, the actual denying of, but embedded in that is, you know, and embedded in these rights is an ability to kind of, you know, subject to not inhibiting other people's abilities to, to pursue their own self. Um, you can pursue, pr- pursue your own interests and self, right? And, and so that um, the, the, Actually, Rachel's the way that she exercises her power is antisocial um, within the context of that of that society itself. Um, um, because I mean, I've made several jokes about it being a her fascist army, but but it is that right that um, and it it it, it kind of um, views that. Um, uh, presents a view of society and that removes agency um, from from individuals yeah. because they will because they will waste it right and and so it's 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 creating it's it's pro social but in a different model of what society ought to be right yeah and I guess it's almost it's post fascist in the way that you know George Orwell talks about not she doesn't say so much you know that thou shalt or thou shalt not but thou art is what he goes on about in 1984 amongst other things um that you could be so much better yeah and admittedly for her that conception is okay dress this way speak Mm. this way look this way act this way although we don't really see what the virtue guys get up to apart from they say they're going to protest something about contraception as far as like yeah, you know, or they they're going to go leafleting or they they have meetings but they do they do carry out like a range of of kind of nasty nasty abductions but i mean we get the we get the me- uh, we get you know to see inside inside one of the meetings and i tim you're right because it's the, it's very much this you know i used to be like this i used to be bad i you know i i was a what did she say i was a bad chav or something like that is what um yeah and uh, then they talk about kind of what she was like and even the misfits are kind of horrified by what that girl was like yeah you know, and even Alicia, who is, I guess, the one identified most with kind of her sexual identity, is like, she kind of disgusted me. 
um, is what she says. That's a very sanitized right. way of saying it, I guess. Uh, yeah, or I mean, I, I didn't quite know how to take that. It seemed like it, I, I don't know whether that that, uh, you know, the ride on the ride on the park bench that, you know, <clears throat> that she was demonstrating was a, a certain amount of admiration was being expressed for the uh, right for the girl or at least amusement. Like, you know, yeah, she didn't discuss me. She amused, you know, she amused me like here's a here's a funny story and that's i mean that's something that's the the nathan model of of teenage excess right that like you know it's a laugh and we sort of we can sort of take a kind of aesthetic pleasure in in one another's uh ability to uh, to transgress right well, I think yeah, and in some ways, it's both the the Nathan model and also the um, you know Alicia's uh, bench riding routine. It's like that. That's a model where where they're kind of celebrating you know w- what we've kind of talked about as one model of the telos of the teenager, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know, in that model is the telos of the of the teenager is to go wild, um, and 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 that is that is in part you know, and, and this is also summed up in some ways in Nathan's um, the big speech at the end um, is is. Is, is that you 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 get to go wild that is that is what you do um and this idea of um you know i, I mean it's i think it's not a coincidence that the movement is called virtue right and this um this teleological view um is 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 uh, of of human nature is central to aristotelian um virtue ethics right that um the the good life is the one that that um you know that 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 are are the choices good decisions are those that uh really um lead you towards your kind of the best possible version of yourself that 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 allows the you know um the 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 oak tree to bloom from the the acorn of self um and and so that there's again i, I think this is it nicely intersects with some of the other themes that we've we've said and i think what's interesting is that you know it it it's a seems to be a um you know at least the the ethical model in um you know in in embedded in um in rachel's in the virtue movement is there is one kind of pathway right you could be so much better um and as you as you say it kind of what it does is it rather than being creating regulative rules um or norms it it, it, she she operates by by shifting constitutive rules of that is the rules that say what you are right so that rather than being a a acorn that may have a you know many either individualized acorns with many different potentialities or one acorn with a few different pathways right the the curtis acorn um she kind of um by by endowing by 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 saying this incantation um really changes the the acorn or changes what's inside the acorn what the acorn could be um and homogenizes it um and so it's this really interesting kind of blending of of kind of constitutive rules and constitutive um identity to um a aristotelian uh, virtue ethics and so we we it kind of puts another contender into um into the kind of um ethical soup uh, along with the the kind of elements of um of, of consequentialism and uh and 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 kantian um ethics and so from a social policy point of view who should the society or authority or just adults favor out of rachel and nathan because neither of them really seem to offer something that is good for anyone else 
because the virtue are creepy and clearly kind of brainwashing, which isn't a solution. But yeah. then Nathan causes and his like his ilk cause kind of chaos and destruction wherever they go. Yeah, right, and Nathan, and I think Nathan's though though it kind of rhetorically fills the function of the rallying the troops speech. Right, like as social policy, what Nathan says in his like rooftop exhortation, it doesn't track. You know, it's not it's not good. Uh, it's not good social policy. And I actually, like, I, I was a little disappointed by that. Like, I wanted, I, I guess one of the things I might have really enjoyed from that moment was a, a, a defense that does hang together of, of kind of antisocial, uh, antisocial teenage behavior. His, his argument seems to be we're made for it, right? Like, we're, we're built to party. Uh, is right. is actually I think the is I think the line, and so that like w- it is good to act in accordance with our in accordance with our nature, right? In accordance with our yeah. constitution. Yeah, I mean that's it's, it's an interesting action. Again, almost turns the teleological thing on its head. Is that we are what we are, right? Like so, we it is good to be an acorn, um, and we might be, and we just got to be the best acorns that we can be, right? Like and so, then, right? Exactly. Like tonight, we are young. You know, so we'll yeah. set the world on yeah. fire. Yeah, yeah, we will. Um, <laughs> no, that's great. Um, I think that that I, I don't think we got to because that was the actually interestingly the song, uh, if, if memory serves, um, and we may have talked about this a little bit um, when we did the the season finale of, of Gossip Girl, but the, the, they played that the the fun. No, yeah, song, we didn't. We didn't period. talk about it. Yeah, I was and I, I I was sorry that we didn't get to it, but uh, there was so much else to talk about. But right, yeah. like. Um, and it's, I mean, it's kind of ironic in Gossip Girl because though they're young, they're not as young as they used to be, you know? No. And like, they're, they're dealing with a range of, uh, we talked about kind of the continuum of like effing to fucking, right? Like we talked yeah. about the, the range, uh, being on a continuum of child to adult responsibilities and how you kind of more and more take on mommy and daddy business, yeah. uh, as you go. And like they've, the, the Gossip Girl, maybe it's because the show has been, uh, on so long and they you know they sort of need to raise the stakes in order to kind of escalate from one season to the next but but they've they've already taken on a, a great deal of mommy and daddy business and they're not uh, yeah once once you're a, a, a divorcee um you're you're no longer uh you a know, fucking teenager you're, 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 you know? you're no longer an effing teenager yeah right. you're well, you're well sure. yeah 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 you're that's that's definitely some mommy and daddy business um but this is yeah, interesting I, mean, I think this gets back to an interesting you know back to to Tim's question about the the social policy implications, I mean, you know, the the social policy implication is to put it bluntly is that teenagers should not be making social policy, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and you know, in some ways, it, like overall, that scene in that episode is a like it is a uh, actually what it is is a a compelling um, argument in favor of age restrictions on the franchise, right? Um, because and I mean, I think it's it's actually it's a thing that gets that gets talked about of thinking about like youth civic engagement and engagement in politics um and you know i think that if there were to be you know it's that that, that from where we are that neither of these is a, is a compelling social policy right that you you either the social policy direction still have to take 
like one step more meta. Um, and you know, the the reason that we have a Nathan is that you know Nathan is a is a is a combination of a certain like personality type and a certain kind of of um, you know social uh, social context. I mean, in particular, um, a absent father and a father who is kind of um, uh, also a, a Nathan um, in in his own way, um, but not like kind of a reformed and pro-social Nathan, right? And then and so there's kinds of these these um, th- these kinds of various kinds of uh, anti-sociality or light anti-sociality uh, passed down from. Um, from from parent to child right and so that and 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 once you kind of are in that loop that feedback loop it's it's very hard to break that because you know what you would want is a situation either where you recognize the reality that um that teenagers and children are kind of self-governing uh, a self-governing polity and then you create um systems for political socialization within that and for kind of creating good policy um or you create ways for there to be actual kind of meaningful mentorship between adults and children, and whether that's in within family units or in a um, community setting. I mean, I, you know, the the answer is, and you know, um, like, oh my, this seems to be a nail. So let me get out my hammer. Um, is 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 kind of thinking is is is. Cr- so civic engagement that cuts across, you know, generational um, uh, and class and race and gender lines, right? It's kind of three sixty. Is it's, it's you know the answer in part is social capital, right? It's um, ironically, right? Uh, so you know the, the the kind of famous piece on this in the American context is um, is bowling alone, right? By uh, Robert Putnam, right? And so that and and quite appropriately, uh, Nathan's uh, Nathan's <laughs> out, anti-social outburst. Um, um, uh, happens in, in in a bowling alley, right? So that you know, the, once once it's a very slippery slope from bowling alone to to like um, <laughs> to running like light, sideways across the bowling alley, um, and 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 really, he's that's the most alone bowling. He's bowling antisocially. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, there's there's still right. There is still a level of a uh, still uh, yet another level of aloneness, right? Right. That like like you can be alone in that you're turning away from you're turning away from society, or you can right. be alone in that you're reject that you're rejecting or kind of exactly. denying exactly. Uh, denying yeah. society. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's that because the cover, you know, the famous cover of um of 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 uh, Robert Putnam's Bowling Alone is like a single bowler just kind of standing there. Saying, Sadly, um, but that's a, a thing where it's like bowling has been, and he uses this metaphor as um, um, you know that one of the types of civic engagement that was common in the U.S. Um, in you know the early 20th century was bowling were bowling leagues, um, and and he kind of puts that along sewing circles and um, very choir groups and various other kinds of non political things that kind of form the backbone of civic um, uh, life. And he and one of the findings in, in the book is that you know it's not. Not that people bowl less, but they tend to bowl alone, um, and and um, and so is, you're not engaging in this the creation of public goods, but you're you're kind of you know doing it with just your very narrow friends or your n- narrow families. You're not in something that cuts across society. But again, I think what's interesting is that the um, Nathan kind of then takes the aloneness one step further, and and. Um, you know, creates negative externalities. He, you know, his bowling is so alone that, that no one else will. That, that if he's bowling, that no alone, one else can, bowl, every, that, that no one else can yeah. bowl together. 
Yeah, no one else can bowl together, right? And that is that is the the vision of of anti of antisocial behavior in that way. Um, is that he he creates the the he 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 destroys the ordered space that is a bowling alley, right? Um, uh-huh. And 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 that is that's the 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 concern. But that you know the way to rebuild that is to really think about um, what. To, to imagine a new a new bowling alley of society um, and rebuild that um, and in, in a gradual kind of, of way. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where where misfits goes and if it is a world where a new order can be built um, that is better or it's just um, you know contending uh, it's, it's it's bad social orders all the way down um, and and that there is no solution right it's just ver- various kinds of dystopia and I think well, that well be- right I mean and that I mean I think the show is asking that question kind of directly when it when <laughs> it when it sets the when it sets the show in a in like a, a work release not work release in a um, community service uh, you know punishment program right like it's it's uh, we're tr- we're trying to rehabilitate these kids right yeah or just to, i mean or just to punish them but they they do their community service in the community center right it seems to be like that that there's a discourse about about loneliness right. and tim brought up about like tim brought up isolation is kind of the worst thing a teen that can happen to a teenager um uh and yeah they're being then forced into community well right they're being forced which into doesn't co- work either they're being forced into community right but like um you know a shy girl asks simon like are you lonely you know what i mean uh, and like i'm lonely and and we we see i mean yeah. we see we see the various kinds of of isolation of of bowling alone of bowling lonely bowling alone and bowling antisocially right like we we see that a lot and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know it seems to be like uh you know and it seems it seems to me that what the show is suggesting is that there's a kind of there's a structural element to the you know to the aloneness uh, whether it's a social policy element or you know something a little more um, a little more insidious that like uh you know that the uh, that the aloneness is like a uh is a uh necessary um what a, a necessary feature of of our present our present social organization you know what i mean yeah but, exactly well and it, it is even just the fact you know the fact that you build a community center yeah um and and it's this, why, this, yeah this why thing isn't there, is there why isn't there a community center already like you look right. where the community is centered and that's the community that center. is the community center right and and but this is like it's really interesting because that this kind of um the building of a community center and and even the setting again that we talked a little bit about the four towers, um, the housing blocks last time. I mean, it, it kind of, you know, fits with this kind of, you know, high modernist kind of approach to urban planning and social planning in sure. general. That is that we can, you know, we, we have the scientific tools of social policy um, and we will lay out the community and, and um, set this up. Right. And it's the kind of, um, uh, Sort of Robert Moses like exactly exactly yeah. it's the Robert Moses approach and it's the the opposite of of the you know this it's what um, Jane Jacobs was railing against um, in her um, awesome tour de force uh, was it the left life and death of great American cities um, and it's you know it, the the first half especially is you know her is a view you know she was kind of a amateur she was a, a neighborhood uh, activist lived in the West Village of New York um, and and also a, a um, amateur uh, sociologist urban sociologist and just you know watched the 
uh, came up with a lot of theories and ideas about the organic nature of, of community and um, of, of urban social order by just watching the street life outside of her West Village um, apartment window and kind of, you know, through like long term participant observation. Um, and, and, and right, it's, it's that, that you don't, and, and really railed against this idea that you could plan, scientifically plan how people would use a space because the whole nature of, of community is, you know, as a group is endogenous to, um, social relationships and networks. Um, and, and so that, and, and that you, 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 uh, the least that you can do is again, I mean, getting back to this idea of, um, you know, of, of pluralism is create the conditions for individuals to pursue self-interest in the context of a group, right? And, and, and again, it gets back to this kind of chicken-egg problem of, of society um, and, and, when it's, and, and, and raises big questions about what to do when it's broken that I think are, are outside of the scope of, of at least where we are today, but is part of the larger project um, of, of TFT. Um, yeah, I don't know. Matt, did you have any thoughts on the kind of architecture and this kind of uh, inter- interface between the kind of um, you know social planning and, and community and and the kind of physical space? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that like I, it's it's notable that the, the all the physical space that's depicted is this sort of 1960s style mm-hmm. brutal brutalist, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, kind of uh, you know concrete block or you know concrete block architecture that is just just the absolute worst architectural movement of the 20th century right like is it has has worn less well than uh you know i don't know you were a resident of styles and so like maybe you have a different i was morse morse sorry 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 Uh, but that like i was in the the brutalist uh i was i was uh, not only did i have the brutalist era the aerosarinen uh architecture but uh for me it was livened up by the clays oldenburg uh, (laughs) Salic pop art, yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, uh, you know, the penis, the penis on tank treads. And so, like, is, it, I, is it now so rare that it's listed? Because I lived in a sixties brutalist accommodation that was so uniquely horrible <laughs> that it was listed and couldn't be bulldozed. It is. It yeah. It would. It. I mean, that is to say that they'll never take down that dorm at Yale. That that. Uh, it's not exactly brutalist, right? I mean, I don't know that. I don't have my. I'm not an expert on the the. Um, the architectural style. Yeah, I guess I'm using it. I'm using it inexpertly, maybe. Yeah, because I think that. Yeah, I mean, I would have to do a little research to to know a little bit um, about the the style, but it's a little different from um, even you know sort of what we what we see um, in uh, in 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 the world of. Um, you know, of uh, in the housing blocks and, and the, all of the community centers um, in Misfits, um, and sure. that it was kind of deliberately. I mean, right? There's no right angles, right? Um, well, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. In the in the uh, in Morrison Styles, there's 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 no right angles. Sure, but the the so I the, but the point I want to make the point I want to make about this with with Misfits is that it kind of uh, there are two ways that this that this architecture functions. One is it's like the it's the playing field, right? It's the terrain on which um, the this, this sort of long-term game of of fucking teenagerhood plays out for these uh, you know antisocial children, um, but the other thing is that it's it's a uh, it's a storytelling feature, right? It's something that the show uses uh, right through operating the through f- making the camera kind of film it in a certain way to um, to convey to convey a message and like a couple uh, and it, there are a couple of messages that are that are so conveyed. I think one one is that like you. 
how often in those establishing shots or in those shots of um uh in those shots of the the architecture like is is the camera canted so that the already the already kind of pronounced angular nature of that that architecture is more uh, and kind of like uh, unrelentingly angular right there are no like there's no filigree there's no like architectural detail to kind of soften the 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 rectilinear shapes right how often is that sort of canted in the frame to to give the sense that something is off and then how often do those lines kind of cutting across the frame Divide the frame. Um, they can kind of create sort of subframes within the frame. Uh, the way the way that like filming through a window does, right? Yeah. Like creates a subframe so within. Is, this is very similar, actually, in in a lot of ways um, to Friday to, Night Lights and also to the and, to, and the, to wire. the wire. Yeah, right. Right. Well, this is a new record. We, uh, we only re- <laughs> mentioned the wire an hour and twenty minutes in. Um, <laughs> the, I don't right. know if we're. That means that we are we are like uh, we are virtuous and we are we 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 are actually better uh, or or what or what. <laughs> from a consequentialist point of view um, we're actually not as good as as we used to be um, <laughs> <laughs> because we have failed I mean that is to say have we restrained ourselves from mentioning the wire or have we failed to mention the wire right exactly yeah. and, and it's uh, we'll never know actually <laughs> um, it's, a chicken, it's, it's another it's the chicken egg problem of the TFT podcast and I, so I think by do, by doing this by carving the frame by carving the space of the frame up into kind of into subframes um, and then also there's a lot of this like high low dichotomy or like upstairs downstairs or leaning off a balcony um, you know that that creates that creates sort of visual dynamics that sometimes mirror the, the social dynamics of the character I mean I think the show is suggesting that there is something there is something structural right there's something in the architecture that um uh that creates this this dynamic of isolation uh you know that that we're sort of that we're sort of talking about um we're talking about in the show it's also alienating it's alienating for the viewer right a canted frame makes you aware that you're watching uh uh you're watching something uh, that's constructed and not found um Kind of in the well, way. Unless you have a crooked head like I do. <laughs> <laughs> kind of in the way that Simon's uh, cell phone camera is a trope of, of alienation, of kind of the mediation of experience uh, through technology um, and his, his inability to kind of engage. Yeah. Greens, directly. On screens on screens, right? Yeah. Because, like, uh, uh, because of his. That. Yeah. His crippling social phobia, and then like well, one last thing I want to say about the infrastructure is the the prevalence, uh, not infrastructure, about the architecture is the prevalence of infrastructure, right? It's not just buildings; it's uh, bridges. You know what I mean? It's um, sure. even the even the bar that they go to. Um, uh, that that uh the social worker takes simon to is right it's like a converted railway tunnel or something mm-hmm. like that right mm-hmm. it's this long cylindrical uh space i didn't quite know what to make of it it and it looks very architecturally cool but it it is like converted infrastructure it's not uh it's not purpose built uh mm-hmm. for human use right and that's interesting Which that it's infrastructure Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The go sign ahead. of a post-industrial society. I imagine a lot of the social ills that have kind of created the misfits is partly to do with the whole, how do you deal with when industry goes, but yeah. there are still all these people. I was yeah. or, like, or the, the definition, I mean, talking about Britain as a, as a pluralistic society, right? Like England being a pluralistic society, 
society is a very recent development. It, I mean, I'm stepping outside my expertise here, but like uh, in the United States, from the very beginning, there is this sort of sense of civic compromise baked in to to the United States, and there's a there's a notional framework yeah. for for integrating <laughs> Erica for integrating. Uh, uh, groups, even sort of marginalized social groups, but that that this is like a, a relatively recent phenomenon, given how long the history of England is compared yeah. with the history of the United States. I mean, States. it's really only from like season two of Downton Abbey onwards, right? <laughs> 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 no, I'm serious, though, right? I mean, uh, I mean, it's a little bit before that, um, but I mean, at least one of some of the problematics of that show um, are are transitions of. Uh, of 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 opening up even greater levels of um of of pluralism right and who can socialize with with whom right and we were I was joking a little bit about Lady Sybil's uh, romance before but that's you know at least part of what that is poking at I mean a lot of um, um, Downton Abbey is the various ways um, which now um, you know the the nobility that was previously insulated and and had um, you know, certain amounts of pluralism within a, a certain class is is more and more the the dynamic density of interactions across class lines is um, increasing, whether that's in the trenches uh, or or sure. upstairs, downstairs, uh, or through through uh, hot hot makeout sessions in the uh, in the in the garage in the in the garage, <laughs> right? And like that's I mean that's that it's so and the, one of the fun things about Down Abbey is to see what counts as pluralism for for these people, right? Like because you know in in a lot of ways. Is uh, the the chauffeur is not white, you know, for all intents and purposes, right? Like being being Irish, and it just it makes uh, it, ma- it makes me harken back to a time of of uh, time in American history where uh, the Irish were not white, you know what I mean, or the Italians yeah. were not, yeah. you know, were not white, um, and we're sort of not a you know we're not American, we're a foreign uh, we're a foreign uh, ethnic group in in America, and on the one hand, that sort of makes me hopeful that mm-hmm. like currently marginal. Marginalized, uh, currently marginalized social groups will, you know, in the fullness of time, uh, you know, frustrating and uh, sort of Im- as impatient as it makes us, um, will th- find a way to be sort of more fully integrated into the American social landscape. Um, it also it also makes me think that like w- what what mechanisms. It also makes me think that like if if the Irish are you know what I mean are a totally different race um you know what what chance do the Africans have you know in yeah. this British show yeah well I think that's an interesting question I think it's probably um um, uh, a little beyond the scope of this specific episode, <laughs> yes, but um, uh, uh, I, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover it in the second hour and a half of this episode. <laughs> um, yes, um, we'll segue now into uh, understanding the natures of identity uh, and nationalism uh, and assimilation in British society. Um, no, but I think it's an, an interesting question. It actually um, dovetails um, really nicely, I think, to the really uh, useful kind of introductory uh, conversation we had last week, the kind of the, the preliminary discussion that we had when we um, went into Misfit, uh, Misfits was, was we, we really eased into it in a way that was really helpful. Um, that was um, really thinking about um, you know who these people are and what, why is this mix of people um, important. And, we, and I think that this kind of discussion and problematizing the pluralism of, of British society um, and and you know uh, contrasting the American model of 
of how assimilation works in America and and people you know becoming white or becoming you know essentially waspy or or the the kind of part of that the gossip girl stock right when are you when are you when are you um, marriageable in the gossip girl nobility um, and and who is kind of able to be assimilated uh, in that way um, and and kind of contrasting how that plays out in in, in the UK um, I think is 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 super interesting and I imagine you know even the show it um, continues to be called misfits um, I think this will continue to be pertinent as uh, as as the the other series uh, go on well if you want to fit in or not as the case may be if you want to build a new bowling alley of society if you want to join lady sybil's fascist army and do whatever duties that entails uh then you can uh follow us on twitter at tft podcast uh you can like the facebook page that's facebook.com slash tft podcast i hope uh, you or i can think it's these fucking teenagers right uh, oh right yeah that's something that i keep typing into facebook and i was going to go into some kind of but data bank okay Thanks. it's a little it's a little it's a little complicated because the url is tft podcast the name oh. of the page is these fucking teenagers okay. podcast okay you can't okay. change a facebook page name uh, after, you know, after we're anyway, sorry. Okay. Uh, Zuckerberg. You, can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can phone or text on plus one. 203-285-6401. I love so That's- many things about that. I love that you say phone on like the British and that you you give the country code also. Oh, bless uh, you. Well, you, you supplied me with that. Um, <laughs> you can phone that on plus one. Two zero eat log zero one because that's the way it should be. <laughs> Actually, no. On this on this program, Tim, it is two zero fat jog zero one. <laughs> Get it right. Why, why, should you, why should you clean it up for the sake of someone? Oh no, no. Show? There's a long discussion on this. Is that um, it's? It, I mean, I guess it's interesting. Uh, I mean, do, what do teenagers <laughs> do more? Do they do they eat log or do they fat jog? <laughs> well, I guess in terms of Britain and America, probably fat jog. Uh, join the discussion. In the comments on the show notes page that's on overthinkingit.com you can find it from there and at some time in the future we'll be back to discuss uh, all manners all, all manner oh, things we'll be back to discuss looks, who put me in charge <laughs> bowling should... alone or together we'll be back to discuss the hope for pluralism in british society we'll and, the, be... and the lack of pluralism in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> the three white guys will be back, of course, most of all, to discuss these, these fucking, fucking teenagers. teenagers.